Imagine being happily married for a number of years and experiencing all the joys and challenges of a busy family, and then you suddenly learn that your marriage is over. That's the dramatic story we're going to hear today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, one of our foundational principles here at Focus is about the permanence of marriage. We believe marriage is a sacred covenant designed by God that not only benefits a husband and wife, but also benefits society as a whole. Certainly the data supports that. The Bible is very clear in Matthew 19 where it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And we believe that, and we know that God loves marriage. It's his institution. That's why we work so hard to rescue and support hurting couples. But we also live in a world that's broken by sin, where some marriages self-destruct because one or both spouses walk away from their commitment and aren't willing to save the relationship. It is a tragedy when it happens because the damage often extends to their children, their friends, and other relatives. And John, today we're going to hear uh, one woman's story of going through a separation and divorce that she never wanted. And as a result, she became a single mom to five children. Sounds a lot like what my mom went through. But what's remarkable about Susan Birdsey is the powerful presence of God's grace and joy in her life. Uh, despite the horrible circumstances that she experienced. It's astounding how God has worked through her and her family, and I can't wait for everyone to hear her story. And we'll mention that this interview was recorded a number of years ago, and here's how you began the conversation, Jim, with Susan Birdsey on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Susan, you have written a book, and it's mm-hmm. called When Happily Ever After Shatters. Uh, that's a powerful title. Um, you're also, as I said, a blogger. Let me read to you a journal entry that you made, and uh, that will start the conversation. You wrote, what are all the emotions I feel in the midst of this disaster? Disbelief seems to be the predominant one. The others are anger-based, mostly because of the effects of this situation on my children. Frustration at not being able to fix things. Some fear mixed with anxiety and an ample amount of worry. Uh, What were the circumstances that you were writing about at that time? Um, I'd been married about 17 years, uh, and uh, my husband had gone out uh, a Saturday morning. We had a house full of children, some friends. uh, My kids had all their friends over. And he had gone out to go to a dry cleaner, which literally was at the top of our street, and he was gone two and a half hours. So when he got back, I asked, where have you been? You've been gone a really long time. And uh, he said, I think I'm going to leave. Just like that? That was it. I mean, just out of the blue. Completely out of the blue. And Mm. um, I was just floored by it and um disbelief was the predominant thing absolutely yeah. couldn't believe it and i had no inkling that we had any issues right i mean we had a chaotic joyful household five kids yeah. we'll do that to you and um so it definitely was completely out of the blue for me in that regard not really knowing that we had some problems but i can look back and see a flirtatious circumstances mm. um 
and I did address that with him several times. You know, just like, could you not be so flirtatious with other women when I'm around? And, you know, probably should have said ever. Right, right, right. <laughs> Knowing what was going on sure. at the time. Hmm. But you definitely can look back over all the years and see things. I read some journal entries from when we were first married um, where I had some, you know, um, gut feelings that were uncomfortable. But I think, you know, I, I chose not to go down that road. And I'm thankful. I'm very thankful that I was, you know, blissfully unaware uh, because I was happily married and, mm. and I don't regret the marriage at all. Mm. Um, you know, I, I did love my husband very much. And when you, when you, and that, you know, that is the way it should be. The, mm. uh, and I, I just want to say we know divorce occurs and mm. there are many people listening that perhaps have gone through it. Uh, they may be separated right now, not knowing what to do. And we recognize your circumstance if that's where you're at. Take us back uh, then to those days. So he's come out with this. He was gone a long time, mm-hmm. comes back from picking up dry cleaning almost three hours later mm-hmm. and says to you, I, I want to end this in essence. What happened over the next few days? Uh, well, I asked if there was somebody else, and he said no. You know, he said, I just, I'm just not happy. And so I really put it into high gear uh, just trying to be the perfect wife, you know. So you and felt you could compensate. I thought I could yeah. do whatever mm-hmm. it takes. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna convince him to stay. That would be a natural reaction. Mm-hmm. You're trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I did everything I could think of. I was probably a little too thick in it, you know, <laughs> trying yeah. to love on him. And um, but over the next three days, uh, I could feel him pulling back more mm-hmm. and more. His, he. For lack of a better phrase, he seemed guiltier and guiltier. Mm. And um, so after about three or four days, I said, you need to be honest with me and tell me what's really going on. And he said, well, I'm interested in somebody else. And I said, well, is it um, is it serious? And he said, no, it's just an acquaintance. And I said, well, could you not see her anymore and focus on you know getting our marriage back? Could we do whatever needs to be done? And um, he was not willing to do that. Mm. And um, the next day... I addressed it again, and I said, could you tell me a little bit more? And um, we sort of did it, and it seemed like in increments. He shared that it was somebody he knew, and they were good friends, and they were doing things together, and um, but it was not romantic. And then the next day at my daughter's field hockey game, while we were standing on the sidelines, he shared the details of it, that it was a physical relationship. And that was probably, of all the times, the most devastating for me. Mm. Uh, because it, it was a rather nebulous thing up to that point. Right. You know, kind of, he just wasn't happy. Right. And that maybe I could do something to make him happy. And, you know, that he was interested, but maybe I could get his attention back to me. Uh, Let me mention your relationship with the Lord at this point. We have a lot of different people listening, some Mm -hmm. Christian and committed to the Lord, some not Christian. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was your and your husband's spiritual journey at this point? Where are you at? You're going to church? You're not Mm -hmm. going to church? My husband was actually an elder in our church and a Sunday school teacher, care group leader, administrator of the Sunday school program, Mm -hmm. uh, leader in our community. And um, so very involved. I was in the women's ministry, a Bible study leader, worship team leader. Mm. And um, so, yeah, we were definitely all enmeshed in that um, life. And I I would say at that time, God was so gracious to me because I was in a really good place with him. Mm. Um, it's like he had girded me up before that happened. Um, hey, looking back on that, because again, I'm sure there's some women listening right now that may not have that relationship. Mm-hmm and have heard the words from their husband, I'm leaving you, what would you suggest to them? 
if they're not as close to the Lord? Well, for me, it was imperative. I don't think I could have survived the way I did. Um, I think he gave me so much grace to deal with it. And it sounds a little bit trite to say this, but it's so true is just laying it all out before the Lord. I mean, being very honest with him, uh, that, that first year after my husband left, my relationship with the Lord was so strong. Um, and I, he absolutely was the source of all my strength. Mm. I had nothing mm. physically, mentally, emotionally. It was just a mess. The second year, my prayer life consisted pretty much of me just going, seriously? Oh. That really was it. I, you know, mm. so Not only doubt, angry, but, but kind of like, God, really, this is your plan for my life? Uh. And what I would say to women who are not in, in walking with the Lord at this point or, or not really solid in that walk is that you can be totally honest with Him mm. and just say, I have no idea why you would allow this to happen in my life. You know, what? how could this possibly be your plan, especially for your kids? Sometimes you can somehow or another wrap your brain around it for yourself mm. and kind of have a vision mm. okay god's going to take this and make me into the woman i'm he wants me to be i'll be stronger and you know i'll know him better but for your children just watching them walk through that you that's where it's very difficult to kind of yeah trust See them. Oh, that yeah. god has a good plan i want to talk about the impact uh, with the kids but before i do what you're suggesting there is a root of bitterness, it sounds like, and you've got to be careful that that root does not take hold of Absolutely. your heart. How did you manage nipping that before it could grab you? I see there were a couple mm. things. I was very heavily in the Word um, just because I knew there really wasn't any other answer for me. And I think, you know, you can go to television and books and to kind of distract you from what's going on, but I really wanted hope. I really wanted to be better on the other side of it. Hope, hope in what, though? Hope that God had a good plan in mm. all of this, that he was going to turn this into something beautiful, that he mm. was going to turn my mourning into joy, you know, my weeping into mm. laughter, and I'd be dancing at some point, you know. That was joy the comes in, in the morning. Yeah, I yeah. was hopeful that God was going to do something through this. And I will admit at the beginning, my hope was that he was going to bring my husband back. Sure, even, natural. Even after he had left, you know, my good, what I thought God would do, was that I had it all worked out. I had a great plan. <laughs> but, that, but that's but, the right hope to have. Mm -hmm. I mean, it says in the Word and describes God hates divorce. Mm -hmm. um, he makes provision for it with infidelity, and, mm -hmm. and yet he, I think, prefers that people be committed for their entire life together because Absolutely. that's how he designed mm -hmm. us. Very much, and, yeah. uh, So that's the right hope to have. It's not false hope, mm -hmm. although it may not work out. Uh, let's turn to the kids. You're a, a loving mother. Um, you're going through this. I can't imagine, and we we realize that gender is in this day and age it's not about the gender uh, it happens to men too where their wives Absolute, are having affairs yes, it does. Yeah. and yet the the spouse that is in the position where um, their spouse is cheated on them mm -hmm. um, you've got a lot of emotion going on you have five kids in the home at that time mm -hmm. uh, when did they become aware of it how did they become aware of it and what impact did that have on them when uh, it first began, when my husband first shared that he wanted to leave, uh, I did not, the children did not know anything. Um, I'm sure they had inklings because there were, you know, we had a lot of hushed conversations and I was very emotional. Uh, I did not want them to know because I, my hope was that we would be reconciled and I didn't want my children to know what their father had done if I could avoid that. I, if you went through it again, would you handle it the same way? Yes. Okay, good. Absolutely. Um, we it was sort of taken out of our hands in some regards because my husband was a public figure. Uh, so when he did finally decide to leave, 
it did become public knowledge and a lot of people knew and I knew my kids were going to know. Mm-hmm. I told him he had to tell our children the next day. Well, that was good to put it on him. Mm-hmm. And so that's how they found out. Their father told them in a very unemotional, stoic sort of way. He did not show any emotion. He did not touch them. and Didn't uh, hug them. Oh, he was sitting on the sofas in our uh, family room and my oldest at the time was 14. My youngest was not quite two. And um, so the little girls, they were, you know, one and two. They didn't have any idea what was going on. Really. I mean, I'm sure on some level they did. Um, my 14-year-old, my daughter was 11, and my son was eight. Mm-hmm. And um, he said it, and my oldest son is the quintessential firstborn. He's just yeah. a wonderful young man. And, very um, responsible. Very responsible, <laughs> respectful, just all-around great guy. Um, he put his head in the crook of his elbow and just put his head down and didn't say anything. My daughter and my son, the 11 and 8-year-old, just completely fell apart, bursting into tears and Mm. weeping and wailing. And they were, you know, please don't leave daddy. And I think my little boy said something about us being poor and living on the street or something, you know, just instantly went an interesting place for an 8-year-old. So I just kind of gathered them all in my arms and he went up to pack and get some more clothes to leave. So in essence, he left you with the rubble of their emotions. Mm -hmm. They did kind of follow him around. My eight-year-old followed him around with his Bible, my husband's Bible. And my daughter wrote him a letter asking him to stay. And my oldest son stayed in his room. He didn't come out. Mm -hmm. And that night we left to go to my parents' house. My eldest stepped kind of into that man of the house mode, went and made sure all the doors were locked. Uh And and that's been a struggle to make sure he doesn't become an adult too early because he's such a responsible firstborn. So it was a natural tendency for him to do that. So um, I don't know. I think you have to decide in your family how much you want your children to know of the circumstances of your divorce. I know some families where the the spouse that was left has chosen not to say that the the, uh, adulterer was an adulterer. Right. Um, and I, I think you just have to decide what you feel is best for your children and for them, what knowledge is too much yeah. and what's okay. It's interesting when you when you deal with adversity, whatever it might be, it might be the loss of a spouse by death and not mm-hmm. necessarily adultery. But in every adversity, if you can turn toward the Lord mm-hmm. and face it with him and let him um, teach you right. how to get through it through reading the word and seeing how... David and so many biblical characters dealt with adversity. Mm-hmm. It, it's an amazing journey then, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes. Yes, <laughs> it's, it is. It's, a, it's, it's awesome to see how he takes such difficult circumstances and does yeah. beautiful things with them. And, and, and that's a challenge, which I've tried to work with my children on, is to see that they're, that God can use all of this difficult stuff and turn it into something beautiful and that he does have a plan in the midst of all of it. And mm. There was this right kind of in the just in the down and dirty time of the going through the separation and the divorce uh, we had a guest preacher at our church and he was talking about the Israelites at the Red Sea Mm. and he was sharing about how the uh, water parted actually from the other shore it says an east wind so it parted from the other shore towards them kind of not like we think right in front of their feet with the Ten Commandments movie you know where it goes so it came the opposite (laughs) direction but it came to them interesting and um I, after church, I was like, guys, do you know how cool that is? That God is already working a plan 
to get us through all this difficult stuff, and He's bringing it to us. Yeah. Like we don't have to go get it. It's coming toward it's us. It's coming to us, and how mm-hmm. beautiful that is that God does that. Uh, Susan, one thing that I noticed because my mom and dad divorced when I was mm-hmm. five, and you know those are memories from long ago. But I think the way that I coped with it, and you have a youngster about mm-hmm. that same age. Mm-hmm. Um, was to wall off, um, not to think it's such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big deal, but emotionally, a coping mechanism for a child is just to not let it go so deep, mm-hmm. so it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not necessarily healthy, is it? Because you're not really feeling uh, underneath the superficial reality of that. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced that with your kids? Yes, I particularly. My daughter is very much, very emotional that very first day when he said extremely emotional but from that day on she has shown very little shut emotion down. Mm-hmm. Huh. absolutely shut down and I see it uh, go into other areas of her life as well just uh, you know she is very uh, unexcitable <laughs> you yeah, know, she's, she's just, just a very low-key kind of person now um, and unaffected that's probably a better word unaffected hmm. by what goes on and her she'll say the same thing if I ask her about her father or anything that's going on in her life it's not that big a deal now was she that, that way before? No, I know she wasn't. No, oh. but she's um, she's funny though. Uh, we we did the passport to purity weekend, and on the way back, I said, "Baby, do you want to talk about anything with your dad and what's going on with our family?" And she's like, "Nah." She's like, "I'll just wait till I'm older and have a bunch of relationship issues." I was like, "Oh," <laughs> and we we yeah. laughed. But part of me was like, "Oh, uh, you don't no, want that please to be don't the even case. say that." Yeah. <laughs> But I think she recognizes that it is a big deal. But I think, again, it's a coping mechanism. She just doesn't really know what to do with it. And uh, they do all deal with it differently. And and as a parent walking through that, as a single parent as well, walking your children through this, and each one is dealing with it differently. Each one has different needs, needs to be encouraged in a different way. It is absolutely overwhelming. And you're coming at it from a place of not having a whole lot to give because you're walking through it as well, having all those needs and things. So that's you know where the Lord's strength is the answer to that. Mm. Well, and the thing you have to, to continue to imbibe into your children is the fact that even though it didn't work, marriage is still a biblical uh, theme. It's something God wants for us as yes. adults. Um, not in all cases. Mm-hmm. Singleness is a part of biblical truth. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you still have to educate your kids a- around this problem. Have you found that challenging, to lift up marriage with your kids in the midst of tragedy? No. I don't think so because I'm sold on it too. Mm. So I, I didn't ever come to the point where, you know, I hate men. I don't want to ever be around another man ever. Right. I have my heart's desires. I loved being married. I love being a wife. And I talk with my, particularly my daughter, you know, that it's a beautiful calling. Uh, if God calls you to that. And, um, and I think we have a little different circumstance maybe than some people that we didn't have a marriage that we were fighting all the time. There wasn't yeah. a whole lot of angst in our marriage. So our, my children saw a relatively good marriage, right. so they have that vision. Mm. Um, you know, we were all kind of blindsided, my kids included. You know, um, I have had talked with youngsters who have gone through what my kids have gone through, who said, "Well, it was easier when my parents separated and divorced because they were always fighting all the time." My kids didn't have that, so in some ways, I've had it a little easier because I can say, "Well, Daddy and I were happily married," and I try and bring up happy stories from the past right. with them remind them of fun you know it's not taboo to talk about daddy 
This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and we just heard uh, part of a conversation recorded a number of years ago with Susan Birdsey about the heartbreaking revelation that her seemingly happy marriage was over, and she was facing an unwanted divorce. And on top of that, she became a single mom of five children. John, I hope our listeners will join us next time for the conclusion of Susan's incredible story, because although her circumstances didn't get any easier, she clung to the Lord and relied upon godly friends in her church community to endure the days ahead. And eventually, she even found a place in her heart to forgive her husband. But today, we want to share a quick update from Susan about how she and her children have managed over the past 13 years since her divorce. And here's what she shared with us. I discovered that for myself, it's really easy to trust God with those big, giant things. And it is really hard with the little things. And being a single parent, there are so many things you deal with, um, so many decisions to make on your own, so many burdens to carry alone. And... As a single mom, I know like house repairs and car, you know, just all those little nitty gritty things after a while, it can just feel so overwhelming. And like, I know God cares about all those things, but sometimes it's like, could all the appliances please work for more than a minute? You know, that, <laughs> that kind of, that kind of thing. So just learning to trust God um, has been a challenge, honestly, um, you know, walking through this life because it, it is overwhelming. And I think sometimes people think that, well, gosh, you've been a single parent for ever so many years. You should, you know, it should be easier by now. It's like, "Mm, no, (laughs) it's parenting. It doesn't get easier. It just gets different. Um, So it's really interesting to see with five, you definitely see like a different response to the situation in each one of them. One of my children tends to be more of a peacemaker um, and, you know, we'll do everything uh, he can to assuage, you know, kind of make everything smooth and easy for everybody, including including his dad. One of mine is very, very angry and doesn't want to talk, but is constantly pursuing his faith. But I think his relationship with God is definitely impacted by that because that dad figure left. Uh, so he has a little bit of trust issues with God. So we talk a lot about that and what I see with my daughters particularly is a lack of value. They don't see themselves as valuable and worthy of being loved well. Um, and it's heartbreaking and, you know, it's just the, and I hate to use the word just, but I think what I can do is pray for my daughters that God will just continually pour into them, that he loves them and that he is there for them and he values them just as they are. So, they have index cards with verses all over their rooms and mirrors and everything with every affirmation verse I could find. <laughs> um, but we've all, we've all struggled and um, wrestled with some different things with our faith. I think we're all stronger for it. And the kids and I have a really strong relationship with one another and have great conversations about God and who He is and how to trust Him when things just don't make sense and when things aren't kind of going the way you want them to go. I think we all... We often talk about, like, that dad in Mark 9 where he's like, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, like, is God going to step in and and help with the different things that we're dealing with? Um, And I think that at some point, um, the kids and I have also talked a lot about, like, stopping. we stopped asking why things happened and why our family is like this and why there are so many challenges and struggles and kind of like, how, God? How do you want us 
to walk forward. How do we do this well? How do we um, live where you've called us to be and be content with that life and be okay with things not going the way, you know, in your mind's eye you want it to go or you thought it would go or by now it should be easier. Um, so I, I think that's, that's one of the things. I think we've all wrestled and, and grown stronger for it. Well, you really have to admire Susan's courage as a single mom and her commitment to God, uh, trying to help her kids retain their faith and see value in themselves and believe that God's got a greater purpose for their lives. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Now, it might be that you identify very closely with today's program. That's your situation right now, and the pain seems overwhelming. If that is the case, I want to direct you to our counseling team here at Focus. Our counselors are available to talk to you on the phone, pray with you, and can refer you to resources and help in your local area. They can also set up a counseling appointment for you, maybe online or in person if you need that. So please do call us on 031 716-3300 or connect via our website at safamily.co.za And if right now you're in a pretty good place in your marriage, let me ask you to consider helping another couple who is struggling and who needs the kind of assistance that we can provide but only with your partnership. Your donation enables us to produce more radio programs like this one and offer counseling services and other resources to needy families literally across the continent. You can add your support through our website or when you call us. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.